And I, for, for whatever reason, I, like, I remember every single one of them says, what will you sign for? And I'm, I'm looking around like, I'm a division two senior. Like, what do you want me to put a million dollars? And I remember I just, on every single one, I put anything. <laughs> Welcome into another episode of Baseball Americas from Phenom to the Farm. I'm your host, Kyle Bandujo. Today, we're talking to Zach Kelly, currently a right-hander for the Red Sox who broke into the show for the first time this year. Typically on the show, we talk to guys who have wrapped up their careers, kind of looking back as a retrospective. Zach has such an incredible story. He's already lived a career's worth of ups and downs, and he's just now heading into his age 28 season. We talk about his college career at two separate Division II schools, why he made a decision to transfer, and how he managed to stand out to pro scouts despite that small setting. We talk about signing as an undrafted free agent for a whopping $500 before taxes, starting a journey that included two releases, an elbow injury, and time spent bouncing from affiliate to affiliate as depth before emerging as a legitimate bullpen prospect for the Red Sox. On a personal note, when I was 22, I played on a college summer ball team in the Carolina-Virginia League called the Roanoke Rails. I know the Rails are now defunct. I'm not sure about the league. On that team, we had a couple high school kids, including an 18-year-old Zach Kelly, about to head to uh, his Division II school, which I had never heard of. It is incredible for me to think that 10 years later, he is he is heading into a spring training where he could be a legitimate bullpen piece for a major league team. It's been awesome to see the success, and he truly an incredible story, incredible just look at what persevering can do for someone and, and what believing in yourself and not having a plan B. So I was thrilled to have him on the show, thrilled to see his success. I uh, hope everyone enjoys it as well. Episodes of Phenom to the Farm drop every other Tuesday. If you enjoy this one, subscribe wherever you get your podcast and go check out past interviews. And if you haven't yet, leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Also, make sure to subscribe to BaseballAmerica.com and the BA Podcast feed for all amateur baseball and prospect news. The handbook's coming soon. Spring training's coming soon. College baseball is about to start. Always a good time to subscribe to Baseball America. And with that, let's talk to Zach Kelly. All right, joining in for today's episode from Phenom to the Farm, he was an undrafted free agent by the A's in 2017 out of Newberry College. Current big league right-hander for the Red Sox, Zach Kelly. Zach, thank you so much for joining from Phenom to the Farm. Kyle, thanks. I appreciate it. I've been looking forward to this a, a lot, and and I, I'm you know I'm so I'm happy for your success. I'm thrilled that you've made it. And like, you know, y- you spent two months playing with me. You know, two 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 and a half months playing with me when you were 18 and I was 22. How much would you say? How much would you credit like reaching the big leagues to that two months? Like, would you say 50 percent? Is that too low? Is it more like 70? Could it be 90? Like, wh- how would you how would you gauge that? Little do you know, my first, uh, my first like college baseball tip came from came from Kyle Banduho. I'm sitting there. I remember. I, I oh remember yeah, what was that? I'm sitting there on deck, and some kid hit a foul ball like back to the screen, and I was standing there. You're like, hey, you got to go get the ball. I'm like, we didn't do this in high school. I didn't know this, but yeah. So every time after that, for my, the rest of like probably my 30 at bats after that before I retired from from hitting, that was you right there. Passing wisdom. So, I mean, that that tip right there alone gets you. Yeah, it's worth. It's probably worth ninety five percent. Yeah, at least, at least. I'll look for that. Uh, I'll look for that check at the mail. But um, <laughs> let's let's go back to around that time. You were obviously, man, like setting up the stage. You're you're currently going. Most of the guys we have on the show are, um, you know, ha- have wrapped it on up. 
And, you know, you're, you're a pretty unique case. We've had some guys who've been undrafted free agents. Um, you know, we've had D2, D3 guys on the show. Uh, but, you know, with, with you and as you're getting into high school, you were, um, you know, you were a tall guy. You had a live arm. I'm pretty sure when I met you, you weighed 120 pounds. Um, but what was your, what were your aspirations getting to the next level as you, you know, got into that junior senior, senior year of high school? Like what kind of ceiling did you have on yourself at that time? Yeah. I mean, I think everybody, you know, when they first start thinking we're like, it's the reality that they can probably play baseball at the next level. It's, you know, you want to go to that division one school. You want to go like in Virginia, it's like, you want to go to tech, you want to go to UVA, and the longer you get into like the whole recruiting process, some sometimes you slowly start to realize more and more that it's probably not you know a likely a likely outcome. Uh, and so, I mean, I I wouldn't say like I was you know the guy who was always in the gym because I didn't really touch a weight until college. And so, like baseball is just something that I did. I didn't like looking back. Obviously, I would like to have probably put a little bit more time and a little bit more work in, but I just. I just viewed it as a hobby and not really something that I was going to end up doing for the next 10 plus years of my life. And so uh, I did the whole showcase showcase scene. I After my junior year of high school, I went down and played with the, the dirt bags out of North Carolina, which was a really good experience. Got to play a lot of different places and meet a lot of, a lot of new guys uh, that I was used to playing with. Um, and then just a couple camps here and there and slowly like, I started to realize like going to some of these, like maybe I'm not, you know, as, as good as I think I am. Like the, like the ceiling is there. Like I felt like a lot of got like a lot of the coaches that I, that I reached out to was like, yeah, like we like your stuff. You're projectable, but you're just not there yet. And so I hate that word is projectability because you can never really tell like who's, who's to say this kid's, you know, going to grow six inches. He might, he may not, you know, he might end up throwing 95 or he may not. Um, and so going to that, I got a couple of interests from a couple of division two schools and, um, the division three scene in the state of Virginia is very, very high as a yeah. like conferences. In yeah. The, that, that's something, that's something I noticed. So that was something I was going to ask on in that in Virginia, it seems like if you don't go to a, um, one of the, one of the big schools, then you're, you're next. There's, there's not a lot of D2 scene there. Like there is here in Texas where I am that it seemed like there's, this is, I mean, we're going to go hyper niche, you know, Virginia college, college athletics yeah. content, but like there, there's the ODAC conference with the, you know, kind of D3, a lot of private schools, um, with, you know, with nice campuses, but like everyone, you know, most of the guys we played with when we played summer ball together who were from Virginia kind of defaulted to those schools. If you're not going big, you, you go into the ODAC. And I was kind of, I was curious as to what, you know, because I remember when you said you were going to, to Concord where you, you, you first went, I was like, oh, cool. I have no idea what that is. Yeah. And because I, I, I really didn't want to go like it's not so much like it was Division three. I don't, didn't really care because, I mean, you look at the ODAC now, like you just said, there's probably three or four teams that are consistently in the top 25 and a couple of those are mm -hmm. in the top 10. So, I mean, it's good baseball. And like you said it's in Virginia, it's really D1 or D3 if you want to stay in state. And so there's the competition level is really high, but as opposed to where I'm at in South Carolina, there's not a single division three school. You obviously you have your, your D1s in Clemson, South Carolina, and a couple others, but there's three or four junior colleges and there's D2 schools here that range in, I think, three different conferences. And so it's just a, 
completely different landscape up there than it is here. Um, and so it wasn't so much, like I said, that I didn't want to go to D3. It was, uh, I kind of wanted to get out of Virginia a little bit. And so I thought my thought process was if I go try to play for the, the dirt bags down in North Carolina, I can get some interest from a couple of, of those schools. And there's a lot of, a lot of D ones and D twos down there. And I got, I got interest. I had a, an offer from North Carolina central. Um, I had an offer after I committed to Concord uh, from Richmond university. And, but ultimately what it, what, came, what it came down to at Concord was, was the money as far as academic and, I got a lot of academic money to go there. And so add that on top of the baseball money. And I really wasn't paying that much to go there. And at the time there was an understanding that I was going to have an opportunity to be a hitter and a pitcher, which I really wanted to do because at the time I thought I was a better hitter than I was a pitcher. I just kind of, I just kind of threw in high school. I didn't really pitch, but hitting was always something I was like really, really passionate about and felt like I was pretty good at. So, like like I mentioned earlier, after your senior year of high school, you come and play in a, in a college summer ball league. We, you know, you and I are on the same team, and most of our team, aside from I think two guys, were either um, D two, D three guys, um, and then you and another high schooler. When you you have an experience like that, I'm not trying to relive relive the glory days here. I'm kind of curious. You you spend a summer with guys who are living the life that you're about to go live. You're you know they're at a smaller school at a place, I would say everyone that we played with on that team, aside from say, um, shout out Trent Cundiff, who went to JMU, <laughs> probably went to a school that I wouldn't have chosen to go to had I was, had, was I not playing baseball, including my own. I would have gone, I would have gone somewhere else yeah. as opposed to where I went if I didn't want to play baseball. You have that kind of test run and hear us talk about what things are like. You know, I'm sure we, we had a lot of conversations <laughs> in the dugout about like, <laughs> <laughs> things that suck when you go to a small school. So was that, did, did that summer make you more or less excited? Cause, and you're also, you're going out of state. Like you have to really want to do that if you're leaving your comfort zone and heading down to this, this small school. Yeah, I, it did. And just, I mean, just like my, my case and like, Will, we were, like you said, we we're the only two high school kids and uh, he was, he was going off to play at UVA wise, another, another small school. And so, not necessarily like, is it an excitement level kind of thing, but more so or less like, it's almost like a trial run of what to expect competition wise. And just, you know, seeing how guys play. Cause like we were, I mean, we were 18 years old and we've been playing high school baseball for the last four years. Now all of a sudden we're sitting here playing every weekend against guys that are three or four years older than us. That that's something that we've never done before. Um, and so I think a lot of the, the freshmen that I, I ended up enrolling at Concord with, they didn't have that experience. And so I, I felt like I was a little bit more prepared going in. Um, not, not just saying like I was prepared talent wise because I played in the summer ball the, the, the summer before, but like I knew what to expect a little bit before everybody else kind of got that first dose of, you know, this is, this is college. I, I was able to, I was able to get that in June and said, of September. Yeah. I think when you put it that way is actually a valuable experience spending your time around a bunch of literal dirt bags for two months. Uh, <laughs> so you, you, you get to Concord and er, er, early on in your career, you, you have success. You're, you know, you're second team all conference performer. You get those innings you're looking for, things like that. 
when you go to a place and you know the on-field stuff is working out for the most part when and it's it's different now even than it was then it wasn't like you were in college that long ago but it's it's different now as far as transferring but when did you and what factors went into deciding okay you know there might be might be a different place for me a place i need to move on to yeah you hit it on the head i i went there and i got exactly what i wanted to get out of it after my sophomore year i was at 100 innings um and that's what i wanted i want I, not like i wanted to go somewhere and play i didn't want to go somewhere you know that i probably wasn't going to play much just to have you know a couple t-shirts to to kind of wear wear back at home on christmas break and it's like i wanted i wanted to go somewhere where i could play and have a good time and you know it at, at some point throughout my sophomore year i probably i i came to like a understanding that this this was going to be my last year there um we had a great head coach, loved him. Uh, it's actually crazy that he just took a job with, he's the, now the Red Sox uh, minor league field coordinator, which is completely what, insane, what are the insane to me. Um, and at the, like, I remember going into that meeting and like, I had so much respect and love for him that I, I was like just upset because I was like, I felt like I was letting him down. Um, but I just, at some point I realized throughout that my sophomore year that just seeing guys that we would play, and it's like, you, you know, you talk to team, you talk to guys and you hear like, oh, so-and-so is, you know, he's getting looked at by X professional team. It's like, and I'm looking, I'm like, I don't think I'm like too far off like what this guy's doing. I don't, I think I'm pretty, pretty doggone close to that. And so it's like, it makes you wonder it, that if professional baseball is an opportunity that I want to like try to pursue, it came down to, is this going to happen here is it better off like is there a better chance it's going to happen somewhere else and so once i kind of understood that i i threw my chips all in i called my dad and i said hey i'm leaving and he didn't like he didn't my parents they didn't try to talk me out of it they said you know you made you made decisions for yourself up to this point and you haven't really steered yourself wrong yet so you know whatever you want to do is we'll support you we'll do whatever we need to do and but if that's what you want to do, then you need to think about really hard and, and then go through with it. So I did. Um, and I just didn't feel like the level of competition, the weather and, you know, I mean, we're, it's, we're in West Virginia, right. And, and we're playing our conferences, West Virginia up to Pennsylvania. No scout is going to come sit through a snowstorm in April and where it's 35 degrees to scout anybody even your parents don't want to come sit through that nobody i remember i remember my sophomore year we 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 started uh we had an opening weekend against pitt johnstowns if see if, i don't know if you've ever heard of that team but yeah. um nope but yeah that's that's division two for you um but i remember that we got eight inches of snow on a tuesday and we shoveled snow on tuesday thursday and friday Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, until we played on Saturday. Our pitchers got one hour of practice and our hitters got one hour of practice. So we shoveled snow the whole week with one hour of practice just to play. And we did. But like that's that's what we dealt with. It was stuff like that. And I, I didn't think that was the, the best place that I was going to develop and pursue a professional career. 
And I think there's a conception around kids who are in high school or in college right now could be listening to this, whatever, just parents of kids, whoever, that, um, you know, you're talking about transferring, wanting to build a better opportunity for yourself to potentially go into pro ball, showcase what you do. You didn't go to Virginia Tech or Clemson. Like, you didn't transfer to a big name. And I think there's a conception of you've got to be at, in the brightest of lights to get seen. And I think especially now, you know, with with what video is and with, with the that you can look at someone's met, especially as a pitcher, you can look at someone's metrics and say, okay, that's pro stuff, that there, there are places to get seen. Otherwise, it still don't have to be the SEC or the ACC. You... You worked into Newberry College and transitioned that into professional baseball. What made that the choice, and why why was that retrospectively the the right choice for you? Yeah, like you said, talking like if there's any parents and kids like that are watching this or listening, I've done quite a few lessons in my day over the last couple of off seasons, um, and like parents will ask me about recruiting a lot, and that's what like that's why I tell them not just because this is my case, but because I truly believe it is. There's no like, is it easier to get seen at a Division One school than a Division Two? Of course, like obviously, but is, you need to go where you can play and where you can get you can get experience. Like, you're way better off to go. Like, I if I would have went to if I would have went to Virginia Tech, let's say I redshirted my freshman year, sophomore year I threw 30 innings with a three five, having a hundred innings over two years with that you can have the same ERA whatever is more beneficial for you than, you know, sitting out a year and then not playing as much. And so it's not always about going to the, the biggest school or the biggest name, but it's where you're going to be able to get the most experience. Um, I, I think, I think we've kind of gotten away from that from a recruiting standpoint that we kind of encourage those the big name schools, which I'd like to, you know, at some point for to kind of transition back to what it used to be. But um I would say also, it's just like you only get one chance to do college and college baseball for 90% of college baseball players. The last inning you play in college is going to be the last inning you play. Like instead of investing in, I think, you know, this is going to be the place where I get seen or this is the biggest name. Like you're doing this to have fun. Like go, go find the field, go find it. Like that's something I wish I would have done differently is like, doesn't matter where, like there are schools I could have played out a lot more than the one I did. And in retrospect, I maybe wish I would have explored that. Yeah. If you're going to, you're going to play college baseball, go play college baseball. Don't go play college, sit in the dugout for three years, go play baseball. And, but whenever I I transfer, I, I, (laughs) I don't know why I did it this way, but I did. Um, so I was like, all right, well, there's really good. Like, cause I didn't, I wasn't going to go to a D one school because I didn't want to sit out. And this is way before you could go on the transfer portal 16 times a, a year and just <laughs> be fine. Um, so you could, you could go D2 to D2 with no, with no penalty. And so I was like, all right, well, the, the best division, I didn't want to go to Texas. That was a good D2 ball in Texas. I know. But I was like, we, we, we had a spot for you, man. You should have called. <laughs> but I, I figured the best division two baseball is probably in South Carolina, Georgia, or Florida. And so I was, I hopped on a laptop. I looked up the three conferences that were down here. It's the, the, the SAC, the Peach Belt, and the Sunshine State Conference. Pulled up every single one of their, their conference pages. I looked at, I took the top half of each one. I looked to see what schools had my, had my major. I made a list. And then I went through and saw how many 
guys that are there week in rotation we're leaving. And if there was more than two, if there was less than two, I crossed them off. If there was more than two, I called them. And about, I had, that's, I, that's I, science, I, baby. That's, I, that's mathematics. I probably <laughs> ended up with, I think, three or four. I think my parents crossed off a couple of them that were with a little too far away from home. I remember I had one in West, in, I think it was in West Palm Beach. It might have been Kaiser University, and I don't quote me on that, but they crossed that one off. It's like, we're not coming to West Palm Beach all the time. Sorry. <laughs> that seems like, in, in retrospect, that seems like a mistake. Like, it, it, incentive to go to West Palm Beach. That, like, yeah, yeah, I sure. know. I know. And, <laughs> hey, and my senior year, I won a national championship there, too. Oh, um, man. That's, that's but ultimately, yeah, ultimately, forward. I came down to, I think, three or four schools, and one of them didn't call me back. I think I was supposed, and two of them didn't call me back. Won't name names. Um, but then I went, I went on a visit to Newberry, and then I think the following week I was supposed to go to, on a, I was supposed to go on a visit to Barry University uh, down in Miami. And I got to Newberry. I liked it. I said, nope, this is where I, this is where I want to be. I like it here. This is the campus is nice. The field is nice. The coaching staff love them. That's how I ended up at Newberry College. You get to Newberry and you step right into that rotation. 14 starts your junior year, 12 starts your senior year, over 80 innings both years, good numbers both years. As you're in that, again, you know, we said that you can you can make it to the, you know, if you find somewhere to get seen, you can make it to the pros, whatever. Again, it is it is harder if you're putting up those numbers at Newberry than if you're putting up those numbers at Clemson. When did, as you're, as you're getting into your senior year of, of college, there's there's obviously a couple paths. You could graduate and join the working world. You could, you know, try to pursue baseball and it's something that's not a not a given with your stature. How did you make those decisions and how did you kind of evaluate how do pro teams feel about me? How what is my, you know, what is my path? Should I go get an internship somewhere? Like how, how yeah. do you make those decisions when nothing is is a given? Uh honestly, I probably not the best life advice, but, um, I've always believed that if you have a plan B, you don't really think plan A is possible. And so once I kind of had that first pro day, we had pro day and I got a, a couple letters. It was like, this is plan A. If, and I don't have like, there is no plan B. Um, and if plan A wouldn't worked out, then I would have figured it out. Then I would have made another plan A. Right. But, um, yeah, I didn't really like even my junior year. I didn't. It wasn't like, oh, this is this is possible. Like, I had decent numbers, but it was just like I I felt like I I stalled out velo wise from my senior year of high school until my junior year of college. Like it was, I felt like it was kind of like on that same plateau. There was nothing I could do. I tried tried getting stronger. Tried tweaking mechanics every year. It's just like searching and searching but never found anything um and then i pretty much had to beg my pitching coach to go play summer ball after my junior year because a lot of it like which is weird because i feel like in virginia where i grew up it was like so you you play summer ball right like this is kind of what you do but whenever i got to newberry talking to my teammates they're like you play summer ball i'm like yeah <laughs> y'all like so it was like a very foreign thing to go play in a league. I don't know if it was just because there wasn't, there's not really like a, 
like a league in South Carolina, like there is in Virginia and North Carolina that we're used to. But so I pretty much had to beg my pitching coach to play. And the only like the stipulation was you can only go, you, you have X number of innings and I don't care if you hit that in the second month or the game before the, like the playoffs, like you, you're gone. And so I did that. I've went and played for the Wilson Tobbs in the Coastal Plains League, which was a really good time. Um, and then I got back to school and he said, all right, well, I didn't, what I didn't tell you is that you're not going to be, be picking up a ball for a month. But you can lift <laughs> and you can condition and do everything with the team, but you're not throwing for a month. So if you mean me being me, like I'm, I'm pissed off about that. I don't, I don't like it. But I, once I got, got over that, I, I was like, all right, let's, what can I do in this month to get me in the best position possible? And I decided to, sit there and lift every day. I was squatting and deadlifting almost every other day, just trying to get literally get as physically strong as I could. Um, and so that month went by doing that. And then after probably a couple of weeks of throwing, it was time to go to the mountain. And I remember I had never hit 90 before. And my first pitch in the bullpen was 92. And I'm like, oh. I didn't like, I didn't know this like at the time. Right. But afterwards, like, like, do you know what you just did? I'm like, no. And like they showed me the sheet, I'm just like, okay, I'm like now, now we're working with something here, right? Uh, and so like, kind of from that point on, it's like I realized like I could throw 90, 92, and so I tried to throw every pitch as hard as I could. And you you get to that point, so you have that you have that velocity spike, and you know, 90, 92 isn't now what it used to be, but no. I mean, you know, that's still. <laughs> that that threshold still exists and like you have to, as, as a right-handed pitcher especially a guy from a small school you have got to throw a certain you you it, it just is like 99 percent of guys need to throw at least with a certain velocity so now you cross that threshold becomes possible you get you know you go undrafted when we think free agency we think about you know, Carlos Correa, who was wanted by a lot of teams and, you know, things like that, like getting to kind of pick and choose, getting courted. What is being an undrafted free agent like? Do you feel like you're getting wind and die in like the bell of the ball? Yeah, not quite. <laughs> not quite. And so, like, it was just, it was weird because, like, in the fall of my senior year, we had a pro day and, like, I got, uh, you know, you get the like, you get the questionnaires, and every questionnaire is pretty much the exact same questions to a T. And I, for, for whatever reason, I like, I remember every single one of them says, "What will you sign for?" And I'm like, I'm looking around, like, I'm a Division two senior. Like, what do you want me to put? A million dollars? One million dollars <laughs> in cash? And I remember, I just on every single one, I put anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and like I, I thought like going through my senior year that I was going to have a pretty good shot because it was like the first couple of games there was a lot of scouts there because what what Division two does do a really good job of is starting uh, I think two weeks before Division one does and so mm -hmm. it gives a lot of kids opportunities like for me especially just because I'm pitching on a Friday night and it's like all right I've said this before. It's like, if I'm a scout, am I going to go to Newberry College on a Friday night? Or am I going to go down to South Carolina? Or am I going to go to Clemson to watch an SEC or an SEC matchup? Like, come on. And so, like, 
those first two weeks, I had a, a couple de- like decent amount of teams come out, and so but I didn't really know like going through because they don't like they didn't, no one talks to you, no one really does anything like that. And then after the season, I didn't have an agent. I don't know what an agent does at this point. Like all these kids now, they have agents in high school, like advisors. Excuse me, advisors in high school. I'm just like, come, jeez, I don't know, but. Leading up to the draft, it was a couple teams were like, yeah, you know, you got your senior sign. I think a couple teams usually try to take their senior signs, like eight, nine, and ten. Uh, mm-hmm. And then a couple. So you save that money. Yeah, and then so I thought, I thought I had, I, I thought from one team I had a pretty decent shot of doing that, but they ended up taking a, another guy from our conference. So that, a little irritated, but with that one. But um, I, so it ends up being on draft day. Uh, knew obviously I knew I wasn't going day day one. Um, then this the only really talk about day two that I had was like that one team that I just mentioned. And but then day three, I remember I get a text from the scout with the A's. It's like most of our senior state are gonna sign for a thousand dollars. Is that okay? I'm like, I mean, what am I what am I supposed to say? No. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's all that's fine. Any, whatever you want, dude. Uh, and you keep going and we keep going. Like I did what you're not supposed to do and just sit there and watch the entire draft pick by pick. Um, that, but, that's, but, that's a nightmare. Yeah. But for three days, that's exactly what I did. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, once it got to about the 30th, I'm like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm getting a little nervous. Right. And then he texts me and like, Hey, I think we're going to, we're going to get a couple high school guys. I, I pushed really hard for you. I'll call you after the draft. And I'm like, I'm pissed off. I'm upset because, like, with no like having all the interest, it's like I didn't like I wasn't really that upset after my last game because I didn't think it was going to be my last game. And so, like, it's like the emotion of not getting drafted, the emotion of being done with baseball forever, just hits me all at once, right? And it's not a good feeling to have. It's it's like I've done this for my entire life, and like all of a sudden, in a split second, that I thought it wasn't going to be over it is and then i remember he called me and was like all right here's the deal i pushed for you i get you a free agent deal for for five hundred dollars you have to be out here in three days like thank you i am pumped i'm like this is all i've ever wanted like i don't care this I'll, i'll you just let me know when i need to leave my house and i'll be there and and how long did that 500 dollars last you uh it lasted me about three hours I got well, after I remember, it was so funny after you crazy bonus babies just spending all your money at once. yeah and let me t- like here's the here's the problem now so in 2017 there's 40 rounds right post COVID gives everybody an excuse to change the draft and now all these they have like limits on what you can pay free agents it's like oh, yeah I was non drafted free agent too I'm like you got 20 grand what do you mean. You're like, like you, you might as well be a top 10 pick. You see, you're getting 20 grand. I'm like, come on. I would have, I could have done a lot more with 20 grand. But I, so I after, you... I remember I, like perfectly after I, I, I thought I, I, I took a picture of it, but I, I don't think I did. I don't remember where, I don't think I would have one, but my check was $323 after tax. And they didn't make us like we had these departments that they set us up in for the AZL, but they didn't make us pay rent until everybody got their signing bonus checks in. 
And so as soon as like that day, like everybody walks out and there's a big whiteboard with the schedule for the day or right when you walk in or walk out and it says $300 of rent due tomorrow. I'm like, all right, so now I got $23 left. And so I went to Applebee's that night and got a two for 20 for myself. I mean, you got to treat yourself in some way. <laughs> That's literally what I did with my professional baseball signing bonus was get a, a Applebee's two for 20. I, I, it needs, I, I need to try to turn that into like an NIL deal, but I don't think that, oh, yeah. I don't think that, that, that works for me right now. I think it's more college. Yeah. I don't know. We need to, we need to amplify that, that story. So yeah, you start out the year good and Applebee's comes calling. I will say though, you could, I guess there's no, there's no cookout in, uh, in Scottsdale, but, uh, that, that's like, that's like four meals a cookout. Dude, the amount of cookout versus, uh, in and out arguments that I've had with people. <laughs> Wait, there are people arguing cookout versus in and out. Those yeah. are like two. Those aren't really on the same spectrum of what you're talking about, though. But it's I mean, it kind of is. It's like you like, I mean, there's really nowhere else on the East Coast you could compare it to. That's I mean, there's no cookout is a, it's its own unique animal. Like I would if they there's, open a cookout by my house, I I would buy new pants. I would say, like, <laughs> we're going up two sizes. We're just going to we're just going to embrace this. Like I miss Cookout was one of the best parts about playing summer ball, Virginia. I missed cookout like I missed a long lost relative. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know if all your listeners know what cookout is, but if you don't, I just I just want if you you're hearing this, just go look up cookout menu, and then then you'll know what we're talking about. You can get well, something like, for you, everybody. You can get mix and match like the most random food, like actual food. It's like six bucks. You can have like your side for your meal is is chicken fingers, like that's your side. <laughs> yeah, I mean you're. I mean you're. It's it gives there's give and take. You're probably gonna gonna gain two pounds, but it's worth it. It's only it only costs yeah. you six bucks. Yeah, it's a, a national treasure. Um. <laughs> so, anyways, you head down. You're in. You're in the AZL. You're you're playing pro ball. If you had to describe your your illustrious long career with the athletics in one sentence, how would you do that? <laughs> Disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> I with that, you, so you go to the AZL, you get released pretty soon after spring training. The next the next season, or the, yeah, the next the next spring training is so twenty eighteen. When you when you come in in that scenario, is it does it feel like? you know, pitching at, at Newberry, does it, does it have the same intensity or is it like, I'm, is it, does it feel more like a showcase, like tryout mode every time? I mean, not really. It was just like a, I mean, I thought I threw the ball pretty well. I mean, I was already kind of gassed when I got out there for the AZL. I was already with, I got through, like, I threw a couple summer ball games in between the end of our, my senior season. And by the time I, the draft came around. So I was like 105 innings in. And so by no means like did I have my like my best stuff when I was out there. But everybody else was the same boat, right? Everybody else is, you know, had been had been throwing for a long season, maybe not 105 innings, but you know, the points the point still applies. But I didn't really feel like I was like trying out. Like honestly, it, may, it might have been blind, but I thought like, you know, they care enough to you know to bring me in they have plans for me and you know you slowly kind of realize like eh, i don't think they do you get um so you get released after after your first spring training that that period between getting released getting signed by the angels you know i think like nine days later 
when you're when you're doing that, what are the what are the range of emotions? What what is the plan? Is is this still plan A? Do you think hey this might be over? Um, and and at that point, you have gotten to see you have you have gotten a couple months worth of this is how I stack up against you know old you know Johnny first round pick or reliever who's in triple a and stuff like that like you see you you've gotten to stack yourself up when you evaluated that did it give you confidence of oh no I I can absolutely do this or were you kind of like oh you know I've already released maybe I'm in trouble yeah and well like the first thing thing was it was like I felt like there was such a learning curve when I got there like not even just the fact of like you know the routine every day and trying to like trying to develop that but like everything was so foreign to me like i remember one of the first couple of days we were there it's like they're outside we we're like yeah you're gonna go in you're gonna go throw your bullpen you're gonna go condition then you're gonna go inside and do arm care i'm like what are you t- like what are you talking about what is this arm care you speak of <laughs> and like then you're like yeah just do all these exercises i'm like this is chinese to me because we didn't we didn't do any arm care at newberry or concord it was like I rarely even really knew where the training, like the training room was like, it's not, I mean, Grant, this is, you know, almost, almost 10 years ago, there was no, there's no, you know, driveline programs or no weighted ball programs mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, so like, it took me so long to kind of adjust to that. And um, I thought I did a pretty good job of doing it quickly. Um, but after that first, like after that first spring training, like even that the first offseason, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to train or to work out. And honestly, I I might have went to the gym like two or three times a week because I didn't know I didn't know how to prepare for a whole season. Um, I just kind of did whatever I would do in college and like winter break. You know, you go work out a couple times. You show up that first weekend in January. And now you just play. And uh, apparently, it didn't didn't work like that in pro ball. <laughs> Um, and so I wasn't ready to go in, in, in camp and I ended up getting a little banged up with my shoulder and pretty much when I was coming back, I was a 23 year old ready that was throwing 88 miles an hour, which doesn't really do much for, uh, for the organization. Um, but after that, I, I knew I, w- I wanted to like, they kind of had me as a being a reliever and I, I, I thought I could start. That's all I've done my whole life. And. I didn't want to waste the off season that I just had. And so I was going, I was literally on the way. I drove up from Columbia, South Carolina to Cincinnati um, to go to a frontier league tryout. Uh, And literally within 10 minutes after passing the stadium on my way up there the day before the tryout, uh, I get a random number from Tempe, Arizona. And it was uh, Mike Lacasa. He was the the farm director for the Angels, and was like, "Hey, we uh, we want to sign you. What are you doing? Where where are you at?" And I was like, "Well, I'm in Cincinnati. Um, I can be home tomorrow, and I can fly out a couple days after that. Just let me know." And so, probably within two days, I was back out in Arizona, about 15 minutes from where I was the week before, just with a different team. The stuff you're talking about, the training, the learning, the arm care and stuff like your, your next off season after that, cause you, you, you know, you play a full season in the angels organization, you do well, you advance multiple levels and things like that. How do you, how do you cultivate a routine and how do you learn what to do? Is there like a baseball for dummies book? Like what, what is the, you know, what is the, like, this is how you be a professional baseball player. And this is how, you know, 
you've now gone through a full season. You know that grind is where did you turn to to figure out I need to get my I need to do something different with my body because what I did last time didn't work. Um, so it's the I wanted to do it after my like my, that first off season, but just literally couldn't afford it. Um, there's a a gym down here in South Carolina, a little hole in the wall. CrossFit gym that a lot of baseball guys work out at um, called Athletes Arena. We have guys like uh, Jordan Lyles, who is in, you know, year 12, I think. He's um, made himself a good living. Yeah. And I got Tyler, Tyler Stevenson with the Reds. Grayson Griner just signed. Um, and then, you know, Tyler Webb and Zach Godley, who've been in the big leagues for the last five, six years. And it's like, these guys know what they're doing. Um, and so I went, I said, I want to be, this is what I want to do. I want to be a part of this. I mean, and it was not really, a, I probably didn't, couldn't really afford it at the time either, but I just, I knew that this is what it was going to take. And looking back when I got released from the A's, it kind of, it was kind of a good thing. It kind of, it kind of gave me like a little bit of a wake up call. It's like, if you're going to do this, you need to do this. You need to put in the time you need to put in the work and actually, you know, pull through with this and go through. Um, and so I've been doing that last five, six years, um, or however many years it's been since my second off season and being around those guys that every day that have, that have done it longer than I have. And, you know, they were at the highest, they've been to the highest level while I was sitting there in a ball. Um, you know, it's five, it's five days a week. Um, and so I think once I got that, it was like, all right, this is what it takes. This is, and you just learn so much from being around guys, right? Uh, you learn how they go about their bullpens. They learn how, go, how they go about their training, their conditioning. And and so I think doing that was probably one of the best things that I've ever done in my career was like making the commitment to start that because if I wouldn't have started it, then I probably wouldn't have ever done it. You talk about the affordability aspect, though. It, it sounds like you had to make some financial sacrifices, stretch, stretch some bills, figure something out just to invest in yourself and become better for your employer who at that time was right. was the angels. Like how how wh what lengths did you have to go to 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 make that work for yourself, to make that extra expense and in investing in your own career? Yeah, a lot. Um, so, I mean, so what years this, this will be 20. 18. My wife had just graduated from nursing school. And so she didn't start working until uh, as an actual nurse until probably December or January. So, you know, for the longest time, it's like, you know, we're sitting there like, she's just, she's kind of working in some odd jobs. I'm kind of working some odd jobs. We, for whatever reason, thought it was a good idea to rent a house for a thousand dollars a month. <laughs> um, I did a lot of lessons. It was like, that was really the only thing that I thought could give me the best opportunity to make quick money. Cause it's like, there's not really a lot of people that do lessons down here, surprisingly, because guys are kids are, are playing year round. Right. So there's really is no off season where it's like they shut down and they get, they go do lessons. They go train. It's a year-round sport. But it was all, and then, but being able to put my name with a professional team that people recognize, just you know, it it matters. It helps. And so I've done, I did that. Um, I did that for probably three or like three or four years. And 
it, it probably wasn't enough to get by comfortably, but it was enough to get by. I definitely had some, some help from my parents from her parents. And it's like, it's just part of it really. After that, that first season with the first full year with the angels in 2018, you pitch your way out of rookie ball, you pitch your way out of low, you pitch your way up into high A, um, you know, 20, 2019, you go back out to, to high for a bit. And then you spend most of the year in, in, in double A. So you've, you've advanced. Now you are not suddenly, uh, you know, undrafted free agent sign guy. You're in an age appropriate league, um, that, and, and, and pitching well, you've, you've had these two years in pro Bowl. you figured out how to train yourself. You know, you, you've found an organization that's willing to keep you employed and, and, and showing trust in you to advance you quickly. When you look at, you know, you taught, you said that in, in, you know, as you were getting out of high school or whatever, you were kind of just a thrower. It's been like at this point now, it's been six years. You're in double A. Did you say, did you have a definitive idea in your head of this is who I am as a pitcher? This is the path that's going to get me to the big leagues. Like, did you, did you have, by that point, had you formulated an identity that resembles the guy who pitched in the big leagues, you know, this, this, this past season, or was that still a work in progress? No, I still think it was a work in progress. Cause I'm the pitcher I was in 2019 and the pitcher I am now are just, you know, light years away. Um, but even yeah, like even that, that 2019. So like the, the order of teams like that I played for in 18 and 19, like, like with the transaction report, it's not, it's not chronological. So I remember in 2018, I went, <laughs> they kept me in extended for a little bit and they sent me to low a, they sent me back to Arizona after one outing to throw a live BP. They sent me to rookie ball for two weeks. They sent me to high a for about a month. And then they sent me back to low a for the last couple of weeks of the season. And then, so after once like the last day of camp, the following year in 19, our pitching coordinator comes up to me. He's like, Hey, you're going to double a like, what, what do you mean? <laughs> like, I didn't really pitch very much like in high. A. Like, are you, like, are you lying to me? Are you sure? He's like, no, yeah, you, you know, we have a spot for you and you're going to double a man. I'm like, okay. And like, so it's like, all right, you're going to double a, I'm like, you know, part of me is like, because at this point, like, there's been so many different things that have happened to me in my career. It's just like, I'm, I'm able to see through a lot of stuff. And so with me going to double A, I, like, essentially, more or less skipping high A as a non-drafted free agent, I'm like, nah, this doesn't really happen very often, right? <laughs> so I was like, something, I felt like something was like, there was a catch. And so we, we go to double A and 19 and the year before in 18 at the big league level, the angels had a lot of injuries, like a lot of injuries to the pitchers. Um, and so they tried this little, this different thing in in 19 where um, they took a, like five or six extra arms to each level. And they, for their first like X amount of starts, the starters would piggyback each other and then have a couple guys on the phantom, um, and do that that whole number and so i did that i would piggyback and go on the fan piggyback go on the fan i probably did that for the first like half of the season like i remember i don't even i however many games there are or days there are in a season i might have had like n maybe 90 days on like actually being on the active roster like I, I didn't pitch so much that when our our team card set came out i didn't get one 
<laughs> so they didn't have any pictures of me. And I broke camp there and didn't get a card. And, <laughs> and like, that's like one of like the funniest minor league stories that I have. And I'm just like, all right, that's fine. But yeah. Is like, there fulfillment in that? Is there enjoyment in, are you still like, I'm, I'm having fun. I'm minor leaguer. I'm getting to pitch and stuff like that. Is there, are you, is there still joy in the job when it's like that weirdly regimented? No, there's not. Um, it's not very enjoyable. I, like, I remember that. And cause I was like, I, I threw well and, but it was just a numbers game. I understood that I wasn't one of their guys. I mean, I mean, look at some of the guys that we had on that team, like Joe Adele, Brandon Marsh, uh, Patrick Sandoval hasn't been in the big leagues up with them for a while. And like, I mean, there's probably been a good amount of guys that have made it to the big leagues with the angels or elsewhere. That team It's probably like, talent-wise one of the better teams that i played on um and so i like I, I get it like i understood that i wasn't gonna be getting those same opportunities but i've known that i've known that my my entire career at at this point but i figured if i could pitch my way out of that like then maybe i could turn the page and kind of be viewed a little bit differently and finally i think i did that at some point finally I had done that. I had been pitching well enough where instead of being that piggyback guy and go on the fan, regardless of how you pitch, I was able to get my own start day. So I think from like more towards like a greater part of the second half of that season, I was able to get my own start day. I was able to get into a routine the whole year. And I think the success is from there because you, like you said, you're able to develop that routine and you're able to, kind of stay consistent with everything and you know what's you know when you're throwing and you don't have to sit here and kind of check out every other week question before we jump into the next year of your career when you're getting shuffled when you're like you know they're flying you out to rookie ball and then they're flying you back to extended or whatever and they're doing all these things and this is like do you get to keep your miles like in the big leagues do you get do you get to keep your airline miles if you get if you get miles in the big leagues, I haven't figured out how to do it yet. But in the minor leagues, yeah, you do. And I had a lot of them. <laughs> that's that, that's impressive because unless you're in AAA, it's actually hard to rack up miles in the minor leagues. So you might be you might be an exception. Yeah, I think um, I think I I remember counting it, and I think in 2018 I had like somewhere close to 15 flights total throughout the entire season. And that's not like, that's not like counting, you know, layovers. That's point A to point B. And that's, yeah, that's a quality, so it, quality year spent in the airport. That's a decent amount of miles. Yeah. American airlines really helped me out with that one. I got a lot of points on there. At least they flew you American. And it's not like, like this frontier flight. To rookie ball. <laughs> the spirit, the spirit <laughs> airlines cross country. <laughs> hey buddy, you're a good pitcher. You can fly this plane too. Uh, you got to pay for your carry on um, though. <laughs> so you you finish out this good year in double a like it's things are looking good like you are on you're on the up and up really for the first time in your career like there's there's legitimate momentum and then a pandemic happens and then ucl starts to bark so double whammy there yeah when you hear ucl injury that we hear when we hear it as fans it's like okay that guy's gone for 12 to 14 
And we we all we always think of that as a gimme. UCL, and it's like, oh, he's going to get a second opinion. That guy's gonna that guy's gonna have Tommy John. He's done. When it happens to you personally, what is the what was your evaluation process, and and how long was that before you realized you're not having Tommy John? You're doing something different. Um, you know, it, walk me through that process. It's kind of a unique in terms of having yeah. a UCL injury, not having the reconstruction. Yeah, it was weird. Um, I felt it a little bit towards the end of, the end of December of that off season. And like at this point, like in my career, this is the most important option that I've had yet. Um, you know, I just had a good year in Double A as a starter. Kind of proved I've, I, I, this was the really the first time in pro ball that I proved that I can be a, you know, a quality starting pitcher. And so going into this off season, I'm, I'm like, all right, this is the off season. I got to go. I I got to make the. I got to, you know, I got to break camp in Salt Lake, out of camp and put myself on the radar to to be in Anaheim at some point. And all of a sudden my elbow starts barking a little bit, like you said, in, in December. And, but it wasn't like severe where I couldn't throw it almost just felt like, like it wasn't so bad that I thought something was wrong, but it was, you know, I was like, I just kind of chalked it up to, you know, early in the off season, just now throwing. And, um, cause even throwing bullpens, I, I would feel like a, a little pull, but it, you know, when you hear UCL injury, it's like, oh, your reload decreases, you can't throw a strike, and none of that was true. Didn't have any issues with that. So I didn't think anything of it, didn't say anything. Um, then all of a sudden, that first lot, like within four or five days of getting to Arizona, my first live BP, I, I throw a pitch, and I'm just like, this hurts. This is bad. And still didn't say anything because I, I almost got – what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I don't know. But it was like I'm having flashbacks at this point of, of spring of 2018, right? You say you're hurt, boom, you're gone. And so I don't want to do that again because I, I feel like – at this point I feel like I just kind of, you know, kind of graduated from the – the uh, you know the undrafted free agent process and uh, the thought like uh, you know just not being a little more invaluable than others um but then you I, might I, actually be a prospect now that's legitimate like a legitimate yeah, hope. Right, yeah like I, I have a chance at, at, to to get there someday but and the next day i'm playing catch at 75 feet <laughs> and i can't make it there and our pitching coordinator, Buddy Carlisle, is like, are you all right? I said, uh-uh. No, I'm not all right, buddy. <laughs> so they go get me the MRI. And then at this point, it's like, I, this is the first time I actually feel like something's wrong. Um, and then just to tell you how much I don't know about about elbow injuries, the, I come in, they yeah, you got a grade two sprain. I'm like, oh, a sprain. That's okay. <laughs> They're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Like it's torn. I said, but you just said it was a sprain. <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing. <laughs> I've rolled my ankle before. This is fine. Yeah, a sprained ankle and torn ankle are different. You, why does it matter? What's what's the difference with the UCL? <laughs> we need to change the terminology <laughs> if we're talking about this. I, know, I, I I felt like it was like the quickest change of emotions because I'm like, oh, a sprain. Thank God. And I'm like, no, 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 it's torn. I'm like, oh. Um, and so, yeah. And like you said, pandemic comes around and the whole process of kind of try to 
you know, bicker back and forth with the angels about, do I need to get TJ right now? Can I try to rehab it? Or, you know, it kind of takes a little bit, right? Um, we're trying to, we're, it, cause it takes a little bit in spring training. There's so many guys there. There's so many guys that are, you know, hurt and have doctor's appointment here and they can't do it. Every, everybody, every team in Arizona is trying to see the same two or three doctors. So it takes a little bit. Um, and at this point, that's the James Andrews Super Bowl, really. Spring, <laughs> yeah. spring. And so, at, and, and then at this point, it was the point where you get the you get the text that Rudy Gobert had tested positive for COVID nineteen, and seemingly within the next twelve hours, the entire world shut down, shut down. Um, we had a meeting that, or we got an email that next that night that said, "Hey, everybody's going to be going home tomorrow or the next day. Here's your flight." But still, we kind of thought, like everybody else in the world did, two weeks, two weeks to slow the curve. Yeah, two weeks and two weeks, and we're back, golden. Famous, That's all we need. <laughs> famous last words. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. So everybody gets sent home, and I'm trying to do the whole rehab. You don't really know where you, if you're even allowed to go outside. People start looking at you weird. You can't go to the grocery store. Um, people start shaming you if they see you out in public. Um, but fortunately, the gym. I Did you feel to, in a way you kind of got like, kind of like, hey, I can hide this injury. Like they, they're not going to be thinking about me right now. I, I can get through this without having to worry about it. Yeah, it was kind of cool because they had way, way more stuff to worry about than my grade two sprained but not sprained elbow. <laughs> um, so then, like. Then, it, you know, the two weeks just keeps getting extended and extended and extended. It's like, I don't really know if, like, if we're even playing this year. And I don't know how, like, I don't know what, like, nobody knows what's going on. And then finally, I, I get to a point in my rehab at, in May at this point. So two months have gone by. Um, and I'm throwing, I'm throwing, and, like, it's just not there. Like, I, the same, I'm getting the same feeling. And so finally, I, I, had the courage to actually because i didn't want to go say anything because like i said i'm having flashbacks like last time i got hurt and got released didn't want to do that again ptsd that was the word i was looking for earlier not really relatable but that was what i was looking for so i'm having though i'm having that and like eventually i get the courage to call him and i tell him that i want surgery but what the angel's doctor he he told me that it was this you know Cause I asked about the UCL repair side. As soon as you, you hear anything, medical terminology, you Google it, right? Like everybody else, I Google it. And all of a sudden I see, I see a different option and I had to keep researching and researching. And I, I kind of feel like, like this is the symptoms that I'm having. I kind of feel like I can, I can get this. And so obviously I want to do what's ever shorter. What's, what's easier. Duh. It was a big theme of that summer is doing your own medical research. So yeah. <laughs> you participate. Yeah. I'm glad I, I'm glad I wasn't the only one. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Um, but, and then finally I was like, they wanted to send me out to, to California. I didn't want to do that either. I didn't want to go all the way out there to be completely on, not just for surgery, but I just didn't want to go like nothing about going to California getting elbow surgery and then flying back with your elbow, you know, slung up, wrapped up six hours back to South Carolina. None of that sounds good. 
So I said, I was like, hey, hey, like, like the doctor who's doing the UCL, like, who's kind of first did the UCL repairs and is in Alabama. It's like an eight hour drive. Can I just drive down there just to see? And so, yeah, they let me get my second opinion. I got down there and he told me I qualified for the repair and uh, pretty much walked me through everything. And I decided that it was going to be more beneficial to do that than get the reconstruction. And so on June 25th I, of 2020, I, I got my UCL repaired with the uh, internal brace. And on September 1st, no, October 1st, I played catch for the first time and I was on the mound in November. Were you a hundred percent in November? Like you, you threw a bullpen and it was, you were letting it go. Like you, you had been. No, my, it was my first bullpen was in November. So I still took it light, but, um, the Red Sox came out to Columbia to watch me pitch in a bullpen in the middle of December. And I was full go. I was full go then. If, if not full go, definitely at least 90% ready. So if you could do that all again, or you could advise, you know, you say you're in spring training this year and someone, you know, a guy, a non 40 man, you know, guy kind of in your shoes says, Hey man, my elbow is killing me. Would you speak up or would you have spoke up earlier? I mean, it, it obviously worked out in, in one way or another, but would you have stepped off the mound earlier? Would you, would you have spoke up even with the risk? And it, it's hard to know what exactly would have happened because a ton of minor leaguers got released just like you did by the angels that year. I mean, just a ton of minor leaguers in general got released that summer because of COVID, but would, would you have gone about it differently if, you know, with that knowledge? Yeah. I, I just, I, I left that part out. Yeah. I told him that I wanted to get surgery and then the next, the next day I got released. That was fun. Um, I thought they were called to, to schedule my surgery or schedule my appointment, but no, they say, yeah, we gotta, we're going to let you go. Um, but it's was it like, still, was it paid for by the angels though? Or yeah. Did yeah. They, that, yeah, that they your health insurance? yeah. They took care of it. Qualified as workers comp. Thank God. Um, cause I definitely couldn't pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, it's hard. Like you said, it's hard to say, um, did it, it, couldn't have worked out any better for me, obviously, because I didn't miss mm. a single game and I was able to pitch the entire 2021 season without, I still have yet to land, knock on wood, to land on the IL for an elbow injury and I haven't really had any issues since. Um, and it's really, so like your UCL, like with the repairs, like usually it's like you got, you got the top, you got the middle and you got the bottom. Um, if it, it really usually like from the research that I've done, that's not professional or that's not medical. So don't take it. But if it's in the middle, usually you're not, you don't really qualify for a repair. Um, but if it's like at the top or the bottom and it kind of pulls off the bone, that's where you kind of get in that range of it's repairable. Um, and so I definitely, if anybody is a candidate for it, 100%, absolutely. It's, Cause you're not replacing anything. And so it's not like you have to sit, sit there and just give it time to, to form like, your new ligament to form in your body. You don't have to do that. It's already there. Um, and it just takes, everything is just so much quicker. Like you don't have to retrain your, your arm to bend. Like I was able to fully extend my arm like a week after I got surgery and it's, it's the same exact rehab it, but it's just a different time frame. Like, I think, I don't know. I think, Tommy John's like 12 to 16 months with this is seven to 10. If that, 
I think I was back in like six. Sorry, but like at the same time, like I, I mean, did I rush my rehab a little bit? Maybe I don't know. It's, it's. I, I probably wouldn't have done the rehab the exact same if the team would have done it as I was because I, I'm getting surgery in June and I don't have a team to play for. Like, I'm not, I, I can't just wait until February to be ready to go because I don't have I don't have anywhere to go. So I was like, all right, I got to be done with this rehab by this date. So I have this amount of time to try to get back into baseball. And you get you get picked up by the Red Sox. You spend you know twenty twenty one split between Double A AA and Triple A with the Sox. Like compared to you, start punching more guys out. You start you're walking guys less. I always like diving into this, like where this comes from, because some some guys develop something new. Some guys just start taking a different approach. Sometimes it's just confidence. You've been in professional baseball for a long time you know how to pitch guys a little bit better you know wh- where do you think like the guy who pitched for the red sox was a lot better than the guy who pitched for the angels who was good where where does that where does that come from um well i think part of like during my entire rehab i can't throw there's nothing like the like we said the world's shut down there's nothing there's nothing to do i like really took that time to kind of dive in a little bit more to like mechanics and just kind of understanding how the, you know, the flow of energy works from the time you lift your leg to the time you throw the ball. Um, and how I didn't know anything about mechanics. I didn't know how to use my lower half or what, but how to be efficient with like rotating site. I mean, partly part of it is just kind of changing a little bit mechanically and um, trying to, you know, move my weight around a little bit better, more efficiently. Um, but really like, I remember my first bullpen of spring training. I throw, I'm like, Oh, like I'm getting a lot of swing and misses on my fastball. Like, feel like it's coming out pretty good. And I remember it was 94, 96. I'm like, Oh, I've never done this before. And like, they say you get a velo jump out of, like out of surgery. I didn't really expect one because it wasn't, I didn't really get the, quote unquote Tommy John and to be honest there wasn't really a lot of research on out on it at the time like full like full surgery to recovery so like once I kind of realized I could throw a little bit hard I kind of like I just kind of looked at my whole career and like looked at the success I've had and and kind of brought it like into three different points it's like and kind of made that my entire philosophy I'm just like in my opinion if you can strike guys out you can generate weak contact, and if you can keep the ball in the yard, good things are usually going to happen. And so, really, from the last two two years, my personal philosophy is: I'm trying to I, every guy that steps in the box, I want to strike him out. Is that the probably the best way to do it? Probably not. Uh, but it's not like it's not like I'm sitting there trying to strike everybody out to where it's like, all right, I'm just going to try to rip the nastiest pitch that I can possibly rip. I don't care where it goes, how much it moves. Like that's not how I'm doing it. My, when I try to think I want to strike this guy out, it's first I want to get ahead. And then I'm trying to mix, mix pitches at in any count and mix pitches in any, any zone. It's like, so I, over, like it, over time, it's, it's been a little bit easier just because I have the confidence to sit there and rip a two O or a three O changeup. And it's like if you're ripping a three-o changeup, then a hitter's probably not looking for it and probably gonna spit on it. So like if you can just land in there, you can essentially steal a strike. 
and just trying to almost like pitch backwards and like try to think back to my days as a hitter and think about what I'm expecting and what counts and trying to do the opposite. Um, and so sometimes has it like benefited me? Sure. Has sometimes has it, you know, bit me in the ass a little bit? Definitely. Um, but so, I mean, so far so good for them for, for the most part. Yeah. And ha- I mean, having that change up as a reliever, often you'll see guys be fastball, fastball breaker. And that's a lot of times why guys transition to the bullpen in the first place. But having that change, if you know, I don't know if you're a subscriber, but uh, according to the uh, the 2023 Red Sox top 10 scouting report, you have the uh, the best change up in, in the Sox system. Congratulations. You can hang that on your wall. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> so you you have this great year in 2021. You put yourself in position as an upper upper minor league guy, upper minor league you know bullpen guy. Those guys go high in the Rule Five draft. Sometimes they're they're appealing. Rule Five draft gets canceled. You don't get put on the 40 man. Rule Five gets canceled. No luck for you. you. You're going you're you're going back to Boston as a as a non roster invitee to spring training. You start putting in good numbers in AAA. The Red Sox not doing that hot in the big leagues. At some point, you've got to think like it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Walk me through it. Yeah, uh, it was like a yeah, because like I thought with the year I had in twenty one, like and like I mean at this point it's like I'm a uh, I'm a reliever. I'm twenty six. I'm going in my age twenty seven year. It's like you know, good relievers with, with numbers within the 27, like some, like some teams usually give, like some, give somebody a chance, you know? So I thought sort of like the perfect rule five pick. <laughs> yeah. It's like, if if it works great, if not, we'll just send you back. Who cares? Um, so I, I, I thought like truly, I thought I would have had a little bit, you know, of a decent shot to get taken in that, but it got canceled. And it's like, all right, at this point, you know, what are you going to do? Whatever. So was over over that in, a, in about five minutes after I learned that it got canceled. Uh, and then really just um, tried to tried to do the same thing that I, that worked for me in 21. I went it was my first big league camp in 22 and um, probably didn't handle it like I should have. I just kind of tried to do way too much um, trying to try to do way too much to make the team way too much to just kind of get noticed, I guess, um, because like in 21, the camps were, were split. Right. So I didn't, I didn't know any of anybody on the major league staff, not a single person until camp of 22. And I think I walked somebody in every single outing I threw in, like in the like big league outings, backfield outings, live BPs, everything. Um, and so I, uh, once I've got to AAA, it's like, all right, now you can stop doing that. Now you can just pitch. Um, and the first month of the season did not go well. I couldn't throw, I couldn't really throw a strike. And it's like, I got, I got into a, like a mentality that I've never had before. It was like, this is really the first time that I've truly had to deal with failure. And like, have I had bad games? Sure. But like, it, I mean, this is just one after the other. And the year before I'm throwing late innings, I'm throwing in high leverage situations. Everything is great. 
but now it's like, oh, we're up, we're, we're up by, by 10. Yeah. I'll come give you an inning. And it's just like, even in those, even in those situations, I still can't lock in. I still can't throw a strike. And it's just, it was so frustrating because all I, I felt like I needed was just one, one outing to regain confidence and to get back, to get back to where I was. And it just seemed like I couldn't do it. Um, Man, this couldn't sound less like the start of a season when you're going to make your big league debut. Yeah, I know. And that <laughs> sounds like the good. start of a season where you get released in June. <laughs> that was such a frustrating <laughs> thing. Cause I was like, I was like, gosh, like I, like, I feel like, I, I feel like I'm just so close. And like, all I, like, I feel like all I need to do is just put up a good season to triple A and it's like, just get to give me a chance. And like, finally I turn it around. Finally I go on, like I go on a streak or like, uh, I think like, I don't know. 10, like nine, 10, 11 games, putting up zeros. And it's like the season keeps going on and on. And it's just like, eh, you know, just hanging out. There's a couple guys that were down here in AAA and we're just throwing the ball really well. And, and the big leagues, I feel like the big league team kind of got in the spot for a long time during that season where it's like, you know, they're not, they're not that close to the Yankees and the standings, but it's like, it's not impossible, right? Like they can easily go on a run and be right back in it. And especially with the AL East and the wild card. Now it's like essentially more times than not. It's like your, your second, like your second and 13 third place teams in the AL East are going to be in the hunt for the wild card. And so they're just in that spot for a long time. And certain guys were getting hot and they were putting up zeros consistently and nothing like nothing happened. And then finally is just we're in on August 28th. Yeah. August 28th. We're on the bus coming home from Syracuse, New York. And they, our manager called me up to the front and said, Hey man, congratulations. You're going to Minnesota tomorrow. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> Uh, and it was cool, and it was cool. This was, like I said, we were we were on the bus. Um, all the guys that were on the bus were were pumped for me, and they were happy. And it it was a it was a surreal moment, just kind of, and like having like being on a bus ride. It's like you you have time to kind of understand what just happened, but it's not like if we we're at home when I'm sitting there. It's like all right, I'm going to the big leagues. Got to pack, 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 and go and play, right? So I have just six hours of just sitting on a plane going through the, you know, the beautiful scenery of New York, <laughs> upstate New York. And like almost just kind of flashing back at my entire career. It's like, you know, I had already viewed my career as a success. Um, being an undrafted free agent, there's zero expectations. Nobody, like if you, even if you get out of, if you get out of, of Arizona, if you get out of Florida, like you, you did what you were supposed to like they, the team gets a, they're, they, they had a positive return on investment. And so every, every year I just felt like I was playing with house money. Um, I understood that I was never going to be on a prospect list. I understood that I was never going to get the same opportunities that a lot of other guys were going to get, but I didn't, I didn't like, I didn't use that to feel sorry for myself. I used it as, as motivation and it, the point like, I feel like a lot of times you get into pro bowl and guys will start to view it as a job, which it is. 
But for me, having zero expectations from anybody other than myself, I to this day I'm still able to play the play the same game with the same joy and excitement as a kid as when I was 15 years old. I'm not sitting here trying to have like is like I'm am I grateful that I'm being able to use this to provide for my family? Of course, that's the whole reason why I'm playing but not having to have the feeling of like weighing over me of looking at professional baseball as a job versus just having fun playing a kid's game. I think that's been probably one of the, the biggest blessings of my career. And I mean, in, you know, as someone who, who knows you, it was incredibly cool knowing what you had gone through to watch you walk onto that mound. It was nice that you made your debut against the twins. Cause I was going to be watching it anyway. So I didn't have to change up my own personal schedule. Um, so that was good. That was good. Um, you know, but with this show, a lot of the, you know, like I said, most everyone's hung it up. We're doing, we're, you know, and at the end of this, we kind of do a look back. You are essentially just starting your career. Just starting the next level of your career, and that's a that's as a big league. That's a guy on the forty man with big league time, which kind of changes things. You're you know about to go into your age twenty eight season. You pitched thirteen and two thirds innings in the big leagues. How much did you learn in just those you know those those thirteen innings that you that you didn't know before you got there, and can use to build on for what I'm sure you're hoping is going to be a successful twenty eight age twenty eight season. Yeah, a ton. Um just seeing how like not even just learning like what to do in certain situations but learning like how to analyze like because we like the amount of information that's available in the big leagues compared to any other level is just like it's there's the information just not there in the minor leagues right um and so, so being able to understand understand where certain guys zones are where your pitches play well and actually like seeing it and being able to remember it when you get out on the mound is, is huge. Like, you don't obviously you're not going to sit there and remember everything, but just learning how to pitch certain guys and how to pitch your way through certain at bats. Um, when's a good time to, to double up on a pitch and when's a good time to, to go for the strikeout pitch. Um, and just how to get ready every day. Cause in the minor leagues there's so many guys and, this was probably the biggest thing for me. It was like, we have, so we had 12 or 13 guys in our bullpen in triple a on a 30. It's a 33 man roster. You go, you take away seven guys for your 26 man in the big leagues, a lot of relievers <laughs> uh, and that aren't there anymore. And so, you know, being in triple a and you're, you know, you have that Tuesday to Sunday series, you throw on a Tuesday, maybe a Thursday and a Sunday or even Tuesday, Friday for the entire week you throw two or three times an entire week in triple a and then the next week in in minnesota i threw I, th I go back to back and i go three out of the first my first four games in the big leagues so that's what something that i was used to um and it's just understanding how much more maintenance and how much more conditioning and training you have to do on a daily basis to to be ready to go every night I've got a quick rapid fire for you, and then I'll let you get out of here. All right, let's hear it. Favorite minor league ballpark? Mm, Pensacola. Oh, that's, that's a good one. Uh, big league ballpark you're most excited to pitch in? Atlanta. You haven't yet. Atlanta. Oh, that's 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 a guy from the South who grew up watching the, the Braves. Jones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, best hitter you ever faced? Aaron Judge. Hitter you were most starstruck to face during your time, either in the big leagues or just in general, because I know you, you run into rehabbers and whatnot in the, the minors. Uh, on the books, Aaron Judge. Off the books, Shohei Otani. Oh, the, I mean, the king. Uh, best Roanoke, Virginia food spot? God, there's so many. Um, I, I got a place like in in Botetot that I like. It's called Tap House, but it's not really Roanoke. If we're going to go Roanoke, I'll go I'll go Jack Brown's Burger and Beard. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, you can't go wrong there. Yeah, love it. Love it. Uh, this is so, This is for like uh, a dozen people who are going to listen to this. What is your fondest memory of playing for the 2013 Roanoke Rails? Um, we had a guy, he, um, he got kicked out of a Waffle House one night. Um, I don't remember exactly what happened, but I just, I just know he got escorted out of the Waffle House. Um, and you know, it's hard to do sometimes. It's, you know, it's not hard. <laughs> what? Whew. <laughs> it can be done listen folks you can i and i will say due to recent events that we've seen on social media it's possible to leave a waffle house peacefully it's, you can't do it no yeah that's, uh, what is what, what a summer what a summer what i tell people it was two and a half months it was like baseball that technically meant nothing we were just playing a summer ball league it was the most fun summer of my life um, well, I mean, they probably, I mean, the, the league, I don't even know if the league exists anymore, but they probably realized once the, the core group of the Roanoke rails was gone, there's just nothing they could do anymore. No, not, not nearly as fun without, couldn't, without they couldn't fill group. the seats. <laughs> Great, greatest show on turf, that, that club. Uh, last one. Everyone gets this. Do you have a nightmare bus ride story from the minor leagues? Not, uh, not a nightmare bus ride story, but I have a nightmare, um, a nightmare, just moving to a different level story. Transportation story. Yeah, I do have a nightmare transportation story. Um, I got two that pop out. The one I'm not going to mention just ended up being a flight that my bags didn't get on. And I had to go to Dick's Sporting Goods the day of the game just to have cleats to wear that night. But that one's not as that one's not as good so um did you have did a dicks employee be like hey sir can i help you do you need do you need do you need to know any information my, about any my manager felt so bad that he gave me his 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 credit card and just said go get what you need <laughs> <laughs> um but so in 2019 i'm in mobile and this was my one high outing of the of the season um we had a guy coming down from triple a to start and so on friday night they tell me he i'm I'm pitching on a sunday they tell me he's coming down um and then on saturday rolls around it's like hey uh he's he's gonna start but you're gonna piggyback him now and so i so i i flipped i flipped to the back end of the piggyback which is okay that's fine i get home from my apartment or to my ha- the the rental house that we had after the game on Saturday night, and <laughs> they said don't hate us, but hide the Inland Empire. Uh, they had they had a long game last night, and they need an arm for tomorrow. I said don't do it to me. <laughs> I mean it's eleven thirty, and they're trying. I'm in Mobile, Alabama, and they're telling me that I have to pitch in Lake Elsinore, California, the next day. And so, oh my God. 
so finally I'm like, whatever. And it, it was so, it was such late notice that they get the, I had a flight at 6 a.m., not from Mobile, Alabama, but from Pensacola, Florida. So I, so 4 a.m. roll, 3 a.m. rolls around. They gave me a, an hour and 20 minute Uber ride from Mobile to Pensacola. Nobody wants to be in an Uber ride that long, and especially not at three in the morning. And no. so I get to Pensacola. Uh, it's four. Flight leaves at six. A couple delays in Dallas. Shocker. I get to Ontario, California. I, it's, and it's like a mid. It's like a three o'clock first pitch. So not a night game. It's like a mid midday game on a Sunday. And by the time I get in the Uber ride from another hour. From in from Ontario Airport in Cali to Lake Lake Elsinore, it's like one o'clock, right? So I've been go pretty much going all day. I haven't eaten. It was so bad that I had to have the Uber driver pull into a drive-through Jack in the Box, and I walk in there with Jack in the Box in my hand, and uh, I get there. There's a, we have I don't remember who it was. We have a rehab guy. I haven't even put my bags down yet in our pitching corner. I was like, Hey, he's waiting for you to go play catch outside. Uh, you need to hurry up and get changed and get out there. And I'm just like, look, I was in Alabama like 12 hours ago. I haven't slept. <laughs> and so finally, like I, that night rolls around and, and then I don't have to, I don't have to go in. And then finally, like the seventh, they're like, yeah, we need you to eat a couple innings. And we go into extra innings, of course. And I get, a, <laughs> it was, so I had to throw it throwing the in extras and uh, i think I, I i got the loss i don't even think i gave up the i hit. have the line and fr- i have the line in front of me uh he threw four innings gave up four hits two strikeouts no walks one run unearned got the loss yeah <laughs> and so just like that 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 was it man like you know i'm happy just chilling in my i just got home after a saturday game about to get in bed for it a day game on Sunday in Alabama and a couple hours later I'm in Florida and then I'm in, in California and now I'm getting a loss. How, how, how long until you went back to, to mobile? Like, did they say you're going right back up to double a, were you worried that well, like, they, they were going to leave you there? No, they kind of, they kind of threw me a bone a little bit. I was able to snake a Monday off day out there and then they were able to throw me a bone and I knew I wasn't going to be going to pitch for a couple of days. And so they, they let me come home to surprise my now wife um, for her. She graduated from nursing school, so I, I got to pull the whole surprise there. And so it worked out. And then that, then they flew me back to Mobile. So I got me, I got me a couple, like three or four days off as a, as a, a thank you, which was all right. I- I think this show started in 2019 or 2020, and that is, I think that might be the most bonkers travel story we've had. That is. Man, cross country. Yeah, yeah like uh, you think it'd just be cheap. Just let an outfielder pitch, like or hey, go Johnny, go Johnny Allstaff or something. Hey, that's what happens when you're a D two undrafted free agent. You're the you're this a lifelong filling guy for a little bit until eventually you start figuring it out a little bit better. Well, buddy, now you're a big leaguer. I'm proud of you. I know everyone we played with is proud of you. Uh, thank you so much for joining from Phenom to the Farm. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, dude. Good talking to you. You got it. And that's it for today's episode with Zach Kelly. If you enjoyed it, please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, rate and leave a review if you're an Apple podcast, and we'll see you in two weeks. Thanks for listening.